What's up, creeps? And welcome to a brand new episode. Brain stew, brain stew, bitches. We're Ooh, back. Coming yeah, I'm feeling. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit lively. <laughs> coming tonight. in hot a little bit. Okay. Then, huh? That's yeah. that's how I Get feel. Fired up, huh? That's yeah, how I feel. Yeah. Right? All right. Here we go. It's that fucking right. orange right. cream ghost energy drink, bitch. Juice getting juice. The ghost with the most. Hi. All right. How's it going, guys? Right. Well, I guess you lost that energy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> there it went. I'm it feeling uh, lots of synergy in the in the room <laughs> right here, right now. And I've really, uh, I'd like to take this moment to tell you guys, you guys are my brethren, and there there isn't anything I wouldn't do. I, hell, I'd, I'd go to hell and back for y'all, because like that's just the type of connection that I feel like we make when we discuss these kind of things. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, you kind of sound like. Uh... John Goodman from uh, Roseanne. That's what I got from, from that. <laughs> he sound, like before he, he sounds more like the babe John Goodman, okay? All right. He, you sound more like, oh, brother, where art thou, John Goodman? Listen, Brady, I know it's way before your time and shit, but All right, you, you, you don't even have any right to be judging anything Roseanne related, okay? Brady doesn't even yeah, know anything about the Muppet babies. Okay. Yes, I do. I saw Muppets take Manhattan. Hmm. Not the, they were Muppet babies. Not the same that. shit, Brady. It's the same shit. They're babies. They're Muppets. What's fucking different about it? Okay, I saw Muppet babies on ice, motherfucker. Did you see that shit? Damn. Uh, no, because my, <laughs> my parents didn't love me, apparently. Apparently, they did not. <laughs> Dude, uh, I mean, Brady. I saw SpongeBob SquarePants. Brady was uh, raised Mennonite, so he saw, like, Hezekiah on ice or some <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> I saw the Book of Mormon on ice. <laughs> That, is that is that one movie that you were allowed to watch growing up was Witness with Harrison Ford? No, because they show tits in it. Oh, that's right. So we couldn't watch it. I was like, can I watch this? And my dad was like, no, they show they show nudity in that. And I said, yeah, but it's Harrison Ford. It's Indiana Jones. But like, like, I've already seen your balls a million times, bro. Yeah, dad, come on, man. They can't be any bigger than your balls. Dad, dad can I watch <laughs> The Land Before Time? Uh, I'm I'm not actually your dad, and no, because there's dinosaurs in it, and <laughs> there's no such thing as dinosaurs. There's we believe no in Jesus such Christ. Thing. No, we believed in dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, that, well that's one yeah. thing. I grew up, and my mom was like, they were just large cows. Holy shit! What? Yeah. <laughs> what refused okay, would not take weird. me to see Jurassic Park in the theaters, so I had to like basically beg another family member to take me. She said that T Rex is called Bessie Justin. <laughs> Down on the range, um, milk that T Rex anytime you want. But to our listeners out there tonight, thanks for tuning in. Tonight we're doing another top five countdown, and none of it has anything to do with the random bullshit that just came out of our mouths a few minutes there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Jeremy, this was a subject that you wanted to talk about. This was your idea, yeah. so why don't you tell our listeners what we're going to be doing tonight? Yeah, we're doing a top five favorite zombie film ranking. So, zombie, zombie, zombie. Eh, 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 eh. um, with their tanks and their bombs. Uh, yeah. So, the zombie genre is one that I'm and his dad <laughs> and his balls <laughs> in his face, in his face. What's the taste? Brady's dad's dick. Brady's dad's dick. His dick. His dick. Is Eric? <laughs> Love you, Dad. <laughs> Which one? Oh, um, about four out of six. 
Um, so the zombie genre is, is a genre of horror that, you know, like like most uh, subgenres within the genre, like there's ibs and flows, right? Of when it's hot. Ibs and flows. Oh Sorry, I'm just gonna keep singing. <laughs> uh, where where when things are hot and when they kind of cool off and. You know, in the early 2000s, you know, thanks to uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead, it kind of reinvigorated a lot of interest in, in zombie movies to where <clears throat> in the 90s, it kind of, you know, we had Tom Savini's 1990 Night of the Living Dead remake. But outside of that, I mean, of course, there are, were things here and there, but it kind of died off a little bit. And then early 2000s, it came back with a vengeance and there was tons of zombie content being put out there. Then it started to cool off again. And then we got The Walking Dead and it became hot as shit again. So every time you feel like I've seen everything that there is to see in the genre, um, a new film comes out that kind of reinvigorates it and inspires filmmakers to to put their spin on it. And I I love the genre quite a bit. Um, George Romero is one of my favorite directors of all time. And he created zombies like the zombies that we know. Uh, the flesh-eating ghouls. He he and uh, John Russo created them. So I thought, you know what? This is something that uh, we haven't discussed on the show yet, and I know it's it's a topic that horror fans are super into. So I said, fuck yeah, let's do a top five favorite zombie movies, and maybe there will be something that we suggest that you've never watched yet that will inspire you to go and check it out because there are tons of fantastic zombie movies out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're about to kick Amen. that shit off now with you, young man, Mr. B-Ratatat, Mr. B-Ratty himself, the legend, the icon, the guy that skipped out on two different separate shows in Boston tonight to be on this episode. Thank you. <sighs> yeah. Thank you. I, went, I could have seen Gavin Rossdale and Bush, and I could have seen Candlebox with their one great song. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, coming in at number five for me is um, something that I know Loisos will appreciate having on this list, but it is 1998's Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Great pick, man. This is probably the second zombie movie I can ever remember uh, watching. The first one is... Night of the Living Dead because um, I think I've told it on the podcast like my cousins trapped me in a room and made me watch it uh, and it scared me for life Um, but this one man like I just remember watching it on Cartoon Network when I probably shouldn't have been watching it because my parents didn't want me to watch it Uh, but this one was like the first one where the the, you know you find out the monsters are like real finally man fucking finally somebody yeah with a mask on you're like oh it's a fucking old man smithers it's like they're fucking real and they're coming to kill you and they're going to kill this dog and his scooby snacks and they're going to get in that mystery van and they're just going to massacre everyone and uh yeah it's it's the first time that I i remember being like holy shit like this is this is not good for Scooby, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, num- number five for me is, is Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. And I rewatched it maybe two years ago just to be like, oh, like nostalgia, like, is it going to hold up? And it still fucking does. Like, it's still really fucking good. Dude, the soundtrack is incredible. Mm-hmm. Third Eye Blind is on there? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. I mean, not to mention so. that, a- doesn't Adrian Barbeau voice somebody on the cast? I, I think she does. I think she's the... Uh, yeah, she does. Yeah. She does. Yeah, fuck yeah, you can't... You uh, can't. Mark, Mark Hamill, too. Oh, that's right, so. that's right. You can't beat that, man. Yeah. Um, so that's my number five. Wow. 
coming yeah. in strong. Hell Great pick. Fucking yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and Adrian Barbeau was Simone Lenore. Simone Lenore. <laughs> and Mark Hamill was Snakebite Scruggs. Yep. Yep. So yeah, that's that's me, guys. Yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Excellent pick. Excellent pick. So thank you. My number five is is one that I feel like some of our listeners will have seen, and I feel like there'll probably be a a good handful of uh, listeners that have not seen this movie. My number five is The Dead from 2010, written and directed by the Ford brothers. And the uh, the plot of the movie is an American mercenary, the sole survivor of a plane crash, has to run the gauntlet across Africa battling with the living dead. So it literally is this American soldier that his, his plane goes down in Africa during a zombie outbreak. And dude, these... Zombies are terrifying because it's, you know, they use a lot of like local native people in the movie as the zombies. So, I mean, there is stick skinny Indian or I'm sorry, African zombies with the white eyes. And I would honestly say that, you know, it's hard to say what a what a zombie apocalypse would really be like, be like or feel like. But to me, this is the most grounded in reality zombie film that I have ever seen. Uh, it, there's just such a feeling of hopelessness in this movie. And every single time, you know, it seems like our, our lead character is getting a little ahead, more fucked up shit gets in his way of, of getting to safety. And, uh, you really go on, you know, an emotional journey with this character as he's traveling across Africa, trying to survive and just trying to get out to get home to his family. So... Um, have you guys seen this movie? Is this from 19... 19- no, it's from 2010. Uh, then no, I have not. Dude, I tried to just look it up on IMDb and can't even fucking it's find Dead. it. <laughs> yeah, it, so there's so funny enough is it actually, it did fucking... Oh, here it is, here yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. It did really fucking well when it came out. Uh, there's a sequel. Uh, uh, the sequel takes place in India. Um, I, I enjoy both of them, but the first one is like, dude, it's phenomenal phenomenal which is why out of a sea of of zombie films and content that's out there that's why it's my number five because when you watch it it's just it's a gut punch it's like holy shit man it's just you know these these are the slow-moving george romero-esque zombies and they're fucking terrifying and their numbers is also what's what's super scary about this film is like these these african zombies are everywhere and they're strong in their numbers despite their their slow moving yeah the sequel was the the dead Two india yep released in 2013 both dude both you know definitely check out both films but the first one is just it's like well you know what i feel like that's the most realistic depiction of what it would be like that sounds rad yeah it's fucking awesome jeremy always popping in with titles that not right. only have we not heard or have never seen before, but I'm sure a large majority of our audience has also never heard of or seen before. Check it out. African zombies. Fucking terrifying. My number five. Just... The good news is your dates are here. The bad news is they're dead. Boom. Mm. Thrill me, motherfucker. I had to throw this on here. I mean, this is not only one of my favorite movies that have zombies in them it's one of my favorite movies of all time uh, 
just screened it last year for my Terror Tuesday program at Alamo Draft House. I'm talking about Night of the Creeps from 1986, directorial debut of Fred Decker, starring Decker. the legendary Good stuff. Tom Atkins. It's a great fun throwback to B-movies of the 1950s and 60s. It's got slasher vibe in it. It's got zombies. It's got creepy crawlies. It's just a blast of a fucking movie, and I love it. And, you know, the whole end climax while all these sorority girls are trying to go out on their date and these zombies are attacking the house, it's just a blast. It's fucking great. So there it is. My number five is Night of the Creeps. And and I got to say, because we initially thought we might be doing a top ten of these, uh, this genre per se, rather, this wasn't easy um, to narrow it down yeah. to a top five. It really wasn't. I thought I had this shit down. I didn't. So yeah, I initially I was like, dude, we got to do a top ten because there's it's going to be too difficult just to do. It's a so top vast. Five. Yeah. Um. And then right before the show, like an asshole, I was like, you know, we should just keep it a top five like we <laughs> normally do. So uh, blame me for that one. Well, let's let's be fair. Somebody was like, we don't have to name names, but somebody said, you know, I get pretty long. Somebody um, said, somebody. We'll let the audience figure out who that was. That yeah, was, uh, was me. It was Jeremy. I'm it very long winded and long dicked. Am I right? I have not seen his. I've only seen my dad's. Um, <laughs> oh, so to number freak four, buddy. <laughs> Number you four haven't even seen me. your own? No, it, it's been years. I just don't like to look. It's in the dark all the time. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Brady. Proceed. I do one of these where I, I like put my hand below my chin so I can't like look down. Um, <laughs> you just spray and pray in the toilet, man, or you sit down. Uh, also, let me get, let me ask you guys this because we're all bros here. <clears throat> Middle of the night. You two are married. I'm divorced, as we all know. Um, you go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Do you pee standing up or do you just like... Papa squat. No, I, I pee standing up. I don't turn the light on. I don't open my mm-hmm. eyes either. I just go ahead and piss. And if, <laughs> it, spray if it goes pray, on baby. the floor, it goes on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, that dude. I'm that dude. I used to be so worried about just like pissing everywhere that I would just like, and I didn't want to turn the light on. So I would just like sit on this toilet. And, but I would sit like kind of like backwards. <laughs> so like you're like kind of like resting up on like the back so of the so toilet. essentially like how AC Slater would sit on chairs and Saved by the Bell is how you would take a piss. I in was the exactly. AC Slater of exactly. peeing at three in the morning. Gotcha. Yeah, because I have the the bladder of an eighty year old. Oh, so do I. Actually, um, so do all three of us, bro. Like Justin, Justin being the, the fucking worst. This guy pisses. We'll go see a fucking movie in the theater and he pisses three times during the movie. I will say this though, Jeremy. In the almost four months that I've been sober on my current journey, that has changed. It, yeah. it, may have just, it may have been alcohol related in he some pees way. more. Because well, yeah. when I go to the movies now and I'll, I'll have like a soda or two or even if I have like a couple of waters or whatever, I definitely don't piss nearly as much. You're like, I, now I just piss in my pants to not miss the movie because now I'm sober <laughs> and I'm enjoying the movie. I got these things called adult diapers and uh, they work wonders. <laughs> I'm like I can sit I'm like a two hour movie depends. and pee five times. Depends on how much of the movie I want to miss. I'm fucking pissing depends right now. Depends on if the movie's good or not. <laughs> <laughs> depends <laughs> depends. Depends on if it's the conjuring three or not. <laughs> Boom. Very rightly Boom. so. Um Alright, so <laughs> number four for me is uh one of, probably one of my favorite 
movies of all times. Definitely one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations, and it's from 1989. Pet Cemetery, Sometimes Dead is Better. Ooh. Fucking zombie cat church on the it's poster damn road. for this movie. It's a damn road. road there. Not that road. That damn road. That road. Uh, God, it's just so fucking good. And I mean, say what you will about the remake. I enjoyed parts of it, uh, not the overall product, but... I mean, this movie is just straight 80s cheese. And I mean, everybody knows the story, but, you know, you take them up to the pet cemetery. They come back. They're not the same. So the cat comes back first, then the son, then the wife. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's this sense of dread that follows every Stephen King story that really just shines in this movie. I <laughs> get it, the shining. Um, that doesn't always come through in all of his movies. And I, I just this movie always creeps me out even as an adult and watching it in the dark and especially the first time that Lewis goes to the pet cemetery and you're hearing all the the noises and Judd is like oh it's just one of the loons and you're like that's, that's not a fucking loon um it's just I I love it too because I've been to Maine now and like Maine is that fucking creepy for listeners who have been to Maine like you'll understand like there's there's Portland <laughs> there's Augusta and then there's just fucking woods and forest and water and like you get lost in that shit. So, uh, yeah, Pet Cemetery number four for me. Oh yeah, I remember. <clears throat> it must have been ninety six. I was at my grandparents' house during the summer. I would go stay with them for a couple weeks at a time, and uh, my dad's parents, my my grandpa, would take me to the video store, and he'd be like, you know, you can get whatever you want. And I remember I rented Pet Cemetery two. Because I didn't know there was a Pet Cemetery too, mm-hmm. and then I rented Scream, like it had just come out on video, so I was like, "Oh man!" And I remember Pet Cemetery two scared the fucking shit out of me, dude. Clan, I, I'm just fucking with you, dude. Clancy Brown's performance in that mm-hmm. movie, like he was fu- like oh, for he's me, terrifying. He's for, terrifying. Oh, in that dude, movie. for for me as a kid, like he scared the fuck out of me to where like, dude, I remember seeing Scream and it almost being like a palate cleanser because I was fucking scared from Pet Cemetery 2. Zowie, no! <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> that kid's acting was scary. Yeah. <laughs> so my, uh, my, my number... <laughs> Sorry. My number four is a movie that I actually just rewatched last night, not even because of this list, but because I was like, man, I, I really feel like watching this right now. Uh, 28 mm. Days Later is my number four. Mm. Good old Danny Boyle. Four weeks after mysterious, incurable virus spreads through the UK, a handful of survivors try to find sanctuary. Uh, dude, this movie is... Man, it's it's creepy as hell, dude. Like, yep. the way that it's shot is almost like... It almost looks documentary style. A little bit like... it, Dude, it's got a little bit of fuzziness to it. It is not crystal clear and, like, pristine like a lot of... Uh, a lot of horror films like this just has a really grungy look to it. The, the color palette that they they use to uh, to edit the film as well just had this bleak tone of I'm going to use the word again hopelessness um, for these these main characters. But I feel like there's a lot of parallels in this movie to Dawn of the Dead, which is another mm-hmm. reason why oh, agreed. why yeah. I, I I probably love this movie so much as well. Um, but, you know, it's just people that kind of band together 
as a means to survive, that they travel together to survive, they rely on each other to survive, kind of, again, mirroring Dawn of the Dead. Um, and one of my, I don't know why, and I, I actually had a conversation with my wife about this, I don't know why this is so appealing to me as, as like, a, a movie watcher, but I love shit like this in movies where, like, the scene where they go to the grocery store and they're just, like, loading up on whatever the fuck they want. I don't know why, but mm -hmm. I fucking love that. And it's the same thing in Dawn of the Dead when they go grocery shopping in that store in the mall and they're, like, grabbing whatever the fuck they want and all the wines and all the alcohols yep. and all the food and chocolate and candies. It's just, I'm like, man, I fucking, I really love this scene. So, because it's like, with with these characters, it's during all of this chaos, all of this death, just really fundamentally trying to stay alive like here's this one happy moment where it's like well at least you know we can grab things that bring us ha like momentary happiness you know amidst you know among all of this crazy shit that's going on with these fucking dead people coming back to life and uh the acting in 28 days later with Cillian Murphy and the whole the whole cast is is absolutely fantastic and once again mirroring back to Dawn of the Dead, look at the finale of this movie. Spoiler, if you haven't seen it. Um, mm. It's the humans that are the biggest threat, the biggest enemy. Like, never mind the, the virus, the rage virus that's spreading, you know, throughout the entire world, but their biggest threat comes to when they find a group of soldiers that they take refuge with that have malevolent intentions with them. And it's like, man, you know, uh, so I just I, I love the way that this movie is shot and how everything plays out. I I, I think this is close to being a perfect fucking movie. Um, yeah, I, love it. I mean, uh, I can't confirm or deny that it will pop up on my list, uh, but you hit it on the head, man. Like, I feel like this is the the one zombie movie that really perfectly captures the hopelessness. Like, I feel like a lot of zombie movies focus on a very isolated Mm -hmm. um setting mm -hmm. like a farmhouse or like a, a community but this really showed like how the world is mm -hmm. just like fucked yeah you know? that that and shot of him standing on the bridge yes. in front of big ben and the streets are totally barren mm -hmm. is it's a terribly frightening image and it really hits home emotionally can we just talk about before we move on to, to justin's can we just talk about cillian murphy the first shot of him is literally him laying in a bed fucking naked like like shriveled dick hanging out, like that's yeah. the first shot of him. It's like, cool, what's going on? All right, this guy's in. A, oh, there's his fucking limp dick right there. Um, good for him. Good, man, good. Look at him now. Good introduction. Yeah, good introduction for him. It's like, oh, that that guy. There's that guy's dick. I think that whole opening, maybe what 10, 15 minutes, is just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I really need to I revisit it. it. I think. In some ways, the sequel, which I found extremely lackluster and subpar. Yep, um, not good. Really, I, I actually like it. For me, it just didn't work. Um, and it's not a it's not it's not a, the fact that it's a sequel. They they could have done something interesting with it. And I'm still totally open to the idea of them doing another one, which they have talked about for a long time. Danny Boyle says he's got an idea for like two more. Yeah, um, I just think that like at the time, that hurt the image for me of the first movie. Um, but I, I've I've always been a huge fan of the first movie. I remember watching it. Uh, I bought the fucking DVD and has watched it over and over oh, and yeah. over and over again. So that's another fantastic pick, man. Thanks, man. 
But moving along for me, um, number four, this film is like nothing you've ever seen. From 1992, Dead Alive, a.k.a. Brain Dead. This was one of the first zombie movies I'd ever seen my entire life. And I'll never forget, and I've talked about this on the show from time and time again, that hanging out with my, my buddy Nate, my best friend when I was growing up, was such a great thing for me in my movie education because his dad was super into horror. And he always had everything on VHS. And he had a huge fucking big screen TV and surround sound system. And he was also the coolest motherfucker on the block. And he would literally let you watch whatever it was you wanted. And I remember coming downstairs. We were watching some other, you know, dumb teen bullshit up in my buddy's room. And and his dad was sitting there watching Dead Alive. And it was the end scene where it's like the whole house is filled with fucking zombies. And it literally was the goriest, most grotesque thing I had ever seen. It's still one of the most gory, grotesque things I've ever seen. And at the time, I could not wait. I was like, after you're done watching this, can we bring this upstairs? Um, And when I watched it, it really resonated with me. But it didn't hit me until I was older and understood film a little bit more. The comedy aspects of this movie, you know, the ear falling into the fucking soup and shit like now I watch that and I literally will die laughing on the floor. But at the time, I didn't really it didn't connect with me that horror and comedy could go hand in hand in the way that it did. I think it's one of Peter Jackson's still even after all, like the Lord of the Rings movies and all that, like I really still think it's one of his best movies. Um, sure. And it, sh- it shows his sensibilities, especially as a horror director, because he really walked that perfect fi- fine line between the grotesque and the hilarious. And he just balanced it perfectly. So I, I had to include that on this oh, list. Oh, yeah. To, so my number four. One, to, plug, uh, to plug my buddy Craig's convention uh, that takes place in Gettysburg, uh, Pennsylvania, Penis Sylvania, is uh, mm. Creature Feature Weekend. Timothy Baum, the star of Dead Alive, is going to be making a very, very rare appearance at that convention. I saw that. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely getting a Dead Alive poster sign because it's oh, a yeah. fantastic, like fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, my number three. I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before. I feel like we've done uh, a remake episode that this came up on. Uh, but for me, it's 2010's The Crazies, mm. which is a remake of a uh, I do remember film. you mentioning Dude, that I just one. watched that one too. I just rewatched it. Oh, <laughs> dude, I think it's really fucking good. Like, I, I gotta say, I think it's better than the original. Um, and I love Romero, but I, I just, I think this movie is, is I, top I, I have to say something sacrilegious, uh, being such mm-hmm. a Romero fan, is I'm not the biggest fan of his Crazies. Uh, mm. of of his film, uh, it's to me the, that one. When you're 20 minutes in and it just keeps bouncing around to different characters and introducing different characters, and then it's not following like any set character that we're you know supposed to be getting invested in. It's like I get that that he was trying to convey like the ship was popping off and it was literally crazy, but like. 20, 25 minutes in, and it's like, dude, who am I supposed to be focusing on right now? It's just different people talking about this this virus, you know? So I'm not the yeah. biggest fan of the original The Crazies, um, and I feel awful saying that, but I, I'm with you, Brady. I, I prefer the the uh, the remake as well. Yeah, so, you know, 
2010's Crazies was directed by Breck Eisner, uh, stars Timothy Oliphant, Rada Mitchell, Joe Anderson, Danielle Panabaker, who we all know from the Friday the 13th reboot. Um, it's basically about a fictional Iowa town that becomes afflicted by a bi- biological agent that turns those infected into violent killers. Um, I have gone on this podcast before and said that I love the small town vibe movies. Um, I think this one does a really good job of showing how the small town just descends into chaos. Specifically, there's a scene that you guys will remember too where they go to a farmhouse and the infected father like has killed his family mm-hmm. and he's like hiding in the house like waiting for them to in- inspect it and investigate it like that is just terrifying and the same thing where danielle panabaker's becca's boyfriend um and mother get killed it's just god it's like you get so attached to these characters in so little amount of time that everything matters and that's how i think they capture that small town vibe so well um so yeah crazy 2010 oh yeah for me Number three. I need to revisit that. I saw it opening night in theaters, and I haven't revisited it since. And I feel like I should have revisited it the last time you mentioned it, but of course, shit happens. And how the fuck can Timothy Oliphant play a lawman so fucking great? Justify this Star Wars. Like, I mean, I love him in anything he's in. Um, Santa Clara Diet was great, but he just, like, I love him, man. And I want to see him do a lot more. Yeah. But he's coming back for Justified. They're redoing it or or rebranding it. Oh, yeah. There it is. Well, I'm going to jump into my number three, which is almost a segue because it is a George A. Romero film. Night of the Living Dead. Dude, uh, you know, some people would be surprised it's not number one because it's kind of the film that that started it all. Um, We'll get to that later. But, man, I, uh, this movie, it's it's the one. I I can't watch it in color. Like, I know that that option is available, but. Fuck that, man. Like, dude, I have to watch it in. sacrilegious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember one time I tried watching it in color, and I'm like, this is too much for me. <laughs> like, I feel like I can't do this. Um, so it's always the black and white version. Um, man, it was definitely envelope pushing at its at its time with a lot of uh, the racial things that were happening um, in life at that time. And you know, God bless George Romero, dude. He, he cast an African-American male as the lead in his film and who was in charge, you know, and did a phenomenal job. And, you know, he told a, a very claustrophobic story about people trapped in this farmhouse during, you know, an outbreak of, of a zombie virus. And he's like, again, he... You know, him and John Russo were the ones that started it. They were like, well... Because at that time... To that time... Zombies were just people that were controlled by someone else with voodoo. You know, he was the one that was like, well, you know, and in the first film, they were referred to more as ghouls. Ghouls. Yeah, Yeah, as ghouls. And, um, dude, one of my favorite lines of any zombie film ever was when they were talking to the sheriff, and it was like, well, are are they dead? Yeah, they're dead, all right. They're they're all messed up. I fucking... I love that fucking line. I love that line so much, man, and it delivered excellently and it's just like man I need to I need to start a, a song like that like just a fucking a metal song and, and have it start with that clip or whatever but uh you know it's um there's a reason why you know well <laughs> yeah, 
the reason it keeps getting remade is because it's public domain. So, like, Brady, you could go out with your cell phone and film a zombie thing and release it and call it Night of the Living Dead. And there's no... Co- oh, yeah. There's... Yeah, there you go. Um, It's not, not Night of the Living Dad where your dad's dick fucking flops it's in your forehead. Yeah. But it's in black and white. It's fine. So, uh... But, uh, you know, there's... It goes... There's another reason why, you know, this this movie still stands the test of time because it's it's a great self-contained story um, with, you know, relatable characters. Uh, it's epic, man. So George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, number three for me. Dude, that movie has such a sad, depressing ending. Dude, if you really think about it, pretty much all of uh, Romero's... Uh, Dead trilogy kind of end, you know, on a, on a downbeat, you know, because yeah, that's that's real life, right? Like shit, it mostly doesn't work out the way that you want it to. Yeah, but just for like, I mean, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it since what nineteen sixty. You're trying to tell yeah. me there's someone uh, that has never seen Night of the Living Dead, Brady? Look, <laughs> I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to spoil a movie, a classic for anyone, so that they can say "Be Ratty" ruined their life. Um, well, you already ruined their life by talking shit about Doug Bradley. So. Yeah, you motherfucker. Well, Doug Bradley can. I want to ruin this movie for Doug Bradley. Jesus, I hope Christ. Doug Bradley has not seen this and is listening right now, so that I can ruin it. But when Ben comes out of the cellar and he, you're like, "Fuck!" Like they're gonna save him. He finally made it, and they fucking shoot him. Like he doesn't even get killed by the ghouls. Yeah. Like he gets killed by the fucking military. He makes it. He body. makes it through all of that, and dude, it, what? I'm glad that you brought that up because another thing that I think about. So when when the the sheriff, you know, or whoever that guy, the police officer guy is, when he's like, you know, are they dead? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. So when he was talking, he was like, yeah, you know, we we found a bunch of, you know, we we found a couple of them over by a, a shed. And they were trying to get inside, you know. They they didn't even know if uh, if anybody was in there or not. Like it makes me think because the way that they just blasted Ben at the end of Night of the Living Dead, it makes you think back to him making that statement. Oh yeah, you know we 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 found a couple of them earlier trying to get into the shed. There was nobody inside of it, and and you know we took care of them. You know about fifteen of them or whatever whatever it was. And it's like, dude, it's very possible that even in that statement right there, like that they shot people that were actually still alive and trying to find somewhere to hide. Maybe that's why they were trying to get into the shed because they were trying to find, you know, refuge during this crazy what? shit. And they could have just blasted them the same way that they, bl- you know, they blasted Ben at the end. Here's the thing too. I don't know if you guys have watched the last of us on HBO yet. Just but... started it, man. Just started it. And yeah, so I won't, I won't ruin anything, but I, I played the game too. And I mean, if you're on episode one, like, not just The Last of Us. I think that's just the one that's most prevalent in my mind right now. But in modern days, you know, zombie films, you have usually sensors that can tell if someone's sick, they're infected, right? Like it kind of like goes off. And you almost always have a scene where some young, inexperienced, fidgety, anxious military guy is ready to just shoot whoever. Oh, yeah. No questions asked because it goes, all right, well, you popped. Like you're infected, so I'm going to shoot you. So like yep. I think it's just the natural progression of that. Like that's scary. Like to think in that kind of situation – how many innocent people, quote unquote, collateral would there be? Bro, I, I'm at the expense. I'm telling you right now that, like, I feel like I have a better understanding than a lot of people um, on how shit would play out if something like that ever really did happen. Because um, during 
the pandemic, when it started in 2020, I was managing a grocery store and I was a store manager of a grocery store. And dude, I see how dead people human. Yeah. I see how common courtesy and disregard for your neighbors and community comes into play immediately, dude. People were coming in and fighting, fist fighting over paper towels and toilet paper and fucking cleaning supplies. And like, you know, people would, you know, there'd be one person who would come in and would literally try to buy everything. And I'm like, you know, hey, well, there's a limit on this because we want to make sure as many people can get this as possible, not just one person. And literally, I had somebody tell me, like, I don't give a fuck about anybody else except for for my family. Like, I don't care if you don't have any more of it after me. That's not my fucking concern. I'm trying to take care of my family. So, like, the shit that you're talking about, Brady, about, like, these people that are just like, I don't give a fuck, like, just fucking shoot them. It's like, dude, that's how it would literally be if something popped off like this. Yeah. 100%. That's for sure. 100%. Just like, and again, going back to the Romero shit, and in Romero's zombie films, the zombies were never the main threat of the movies, which is why they were brilliant and, and why they worked. We are the real monsters because we'll kill each other. It doesn't fucking matter. The zombies. Back to Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Justin, what's your number three? Oh, man, we just got done talking about it. But, yeah, this may be sacrilegious to some, but, yeah, it's Night of the Living Dead from 1968. And here I thought I was going to shock people by having it at number three. Um, But, you know, it is the granddaddy of all zombie movies. And without this movie, there would not be a zombie genre. I mean, you have George to thank for all of it. Really, literally all of it. 100%. It is one of his best movies. Um, do I think it's his best zombie movie? No. Um, but I do think it's one of the most powerful um, in what it's saying. And I think a lot of the, uh, in, in terms of politics, a lot of the underlining themes, if you will, based on what he has said over the years prior to his passing, God rest his soul, uh, was not intentional. I mean... He's a liar. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, well, you know, him saying that he cast Dwayne Jones as Ben because he was just the best actor that they could find for the the part. I mean, you can shake your head. I mean, I don't think he has any reason to lie, but it's entirely possible that he was trying to be political with his message. Um, but the movie really hit a nerve at the time. It, it, the biggest issue with the movie itself is the fact that they didn't have any people surrounding them that had a good business sense and the amount of money that he, he and his team lost on the, the movie um, you know, a huge shame, you know, think about prior to his passing, you know, had he been able to keep those rights? Well, it was, it was a copyright issue. Yeah. There was, there was a problem with the copyright and they, what, what up. wasn't it? What wasn't it like what was listed on the actual screen that there was not a copyright on the title? Yeah. If so I remember correctly when, when they were making the film, it wasn't called night of living dead. It was called, uh, like, uh, Night of the Anubis the or eaters, Anubis right? or some shit like that. Okay, um, okay. I ha- I have um, not an original script, but I have uh, a copy, a copy of it that's signed by Romero and uh, John Russo, and it was like called the Night of Anubis, I believe, was the original title. So when they did the title change, which obviously Night of the Living Dead is a much better title, um, there was something fucked up with filing the copyright for 
the film with that title. Um, and yeah, so it, dude, it fucked. Like he even, I saw an interview with George where he was like, man, had we retained the rights to Night of the Living Dead, he was like, I wouldn't even be talking to you right now. I'd be sitting on a beach somewhere right now. Like my life would be very different. Exactly. Yeah. Crazy. But that's it. I mean, we already talked about it in pretty pretty long detail there. So it's Night of the Living Dead at number three. Right back to you. Be ready for your number two. So number two is a movie that I love and cherish. Uh, I can pretty much watch it back to back to back to back. Uh, as soon as it ends, I can put it right back on. It's 2004's zombie comedy from Edgar Wright, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, fantastic movie. Um, you know, it started the, what is it, the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy of Hot Fuzz and, and At World's End. Um, Hot Fuzz is another great movie, not zombies. Um, but basically, it's it's about a downtrodden salesman, played by Simon Pegg, Sean, and his friend, Ed, played by Nick Frost, that are caught in a zombie apocalypse. And it's just a fucking gut-busting movie that's makes you laugh in every scene, but also like has some pretty terrifying zombies and some very, mm-hmm. very gory scenes, especially at like the bar, the Winchester at the end, where like the friends are getting their guts ripped apart. Like it's it's just fucking bonkers. Um Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I have to say a lot about this movie. I just know that my cousins and I growing up couldn't watch a lot. And so I don't know how we got our hands on this movie, but I think we stole it from one of my older cousins and we were just watching it and <laughs> the part where like the zombies walking towards um Sean and Ed and it's like and look at the zombie and it's like I just fucking like I love that like it still follows me to this day where like if I hear anybody moan I go so clearly this movie has had a huge influence on my life and if you guys haven't seen it you should watch it I saw it at a movie party at Alamo Draft House Ashburn that was fucking fantastic and yeah so, well, we, uh, you have George Romero to thank for Shaun of the Dead as well, because yeah. Shaun, uh, um, Simon Pegg worships at the altar of Romero, um, mm-hmm. like, and he's, he's always cited Romero as the biggest influence on making that film, and it, it's, dude, he, he captured a lot of Romero in that film, you know, because the reason that that movie is so effective, um, spoiler, that this movie's not... You know, Shaun of the Dead is not on my list, but the reason that that movie is so effective is because doing horror and comedy together is is a very difficult balancing act. Either either it comes off hokey and trying too hard, or it comes off as a little bit too much horror and the comedy doesn't necessarily land. When you get those two things right and they work effectively, then like, man, it, it's it's like a small miracle and. The fact that there is comedy where you can laugh your ass off. There's also great horror, great kills, great death, great gore, while also an emotional core where, like, dude, when when Sean is breaking down and, and crying and, you know, mm-hmm. there's a real emotional core there. It's no longer just this this one note. Oh, it's like a cheesy horror film that's kind of funny. It's like, no, like, this is like that that three, you know, triple threat, man. It's, it's, you laugh, you cry and you're on the edge of your seat. And it's, it's a small miracle when a filmmaker can pull that off. And I feel like it, it takes a very masterful filmmaker to pull something like that off. So 
you know, all all of the uh, the kudos to uh, to Edgar Wright for that. Yeah, I know. Um, I was reading about it too. They said that the screenplay was written by Wright and Peg in over eight weeks, and inspired by Night of the Living Dead, like you said, Dawn of the Dead from '78, as well as Raising Arizona, Back to the Future, Brain Dead, and The Birds. Um, so it's funny to think of like all those movies and still be able to see like bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely seen as like one of a, a post nine eleven type film of like this hysteria. Um, and like just general sense of anxiety because it came out in 2004, so not not very long after. Um, but then Edgar Wright even said that he got influence from his own life, how he missed the 2001 foot and mouth epidemic by simply not having paid attention to the news for what he says is like a fortnight. But he like turned his television on one day and saw cattle being burnt, leaving him like kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then because of that, he was like, oh, it's like entirely possible that the world could be ending and these two guys <laughs> could not know what was going on because they're playing Resident Evil 2. Mm-hmm. So like, just crazy stuff, man. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's my number two, Shaun of the Dead. Fantastic pick. Will be most definitely showing up on my ladder of my top ten. So, my number two is another film, much like Shaun of the Dead, that has this balancing act of things that if you can pull all of them off congruently with each other, it's just a master class of an accomplishment, um, and I'm talking about Train to Busan because wow. this this wow. movie, my dude, I I am telling you that this movie, I had given up on the zombie genre. I was like, dude, I've seen everything that there is to see, you know, I've seen Wormwood and all this crazy Australian like Mad Max, you know, meets zombie genre, and like that stuff's great too. Don't get me wrong, but like there was nothing that was captivating me. Um, with the zombie genre, and then I kept hearing about Train to Busan, and I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a go, and the comedy is so fucking funny. Comedy is so funny. The action is some of the best action sequences fucking in any horror film, like, ever, and the emotional weight of what these characters go through and you know, some of them don't make it out alive. I cried like a fucking baby watching this movie tour. I did not think that watching a zombie movie, it would be possible or capable of that me. That affect you in the way that dude, it did, right? it affected me in such a big way that, like, I remember um, I was living in, in my old house, and I remember I came upstairs after watching it, and and was like, oh, would you just get done watching? And I was like, man, honestly, like one of the greatest fucking horror films I feel like I've ever fucking seen, man, um, ever. And I told her, I was like, dude, this movie, like, I laughed, I cried hard, and was on the edge of my seat because there's, I feel like with this movie, all bets are off. Like, there's nobody that's necessarily safe in this movie. There's nobody that you're like, you're looking at, going, ah nothing's going to happen to them. Like they're just fucking off in everybody. So it's like, there's true suspense while watching this movie. And it's, it is so fucking good that the idea of them making an American remake just because, well, it's not English speaking. It's, it's last trained in New York or some shit is what they're calling it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Last trained in New York. I'm telling you right now, I, I, Justin, I know you're a big proponent for, like, I'll watch everything and then judge what it is at that point. I'm telling you right now, 
I don't give a fuck. I have no interest in seeing this. This movie has no business being made because just because a movie came out, you know, in, uh, you know, in another country, like, oh, we feel like we need to dumb it down and film another version of it just so people in America will give it a shot. Fuck well, that. Well, dude, well, just also, and at the same time, not even just dumb it down, but a movie that is perfectly... It is perfect. The way that, perfectly done the way that it is, it's just a matter of them thinking the audiences are too lazy to read. Dude, it's it's just like... Give me a fucking break. It's just like let the right one in, and then all of a sudden they felt the need to be like, oh, it's... It's, it's, everybody is, it has such great acclaim and everybody loves this. Let's make an American version. And they made Let Me In, which is such an inferior version of that story. It, it's not necessarily a bad movie, but it made no, it me wasn't. go, why? It wasn't. Why, why did you feel the need to make this? The original was a beautiful, original vampire story. And then you felt the need to, to cast the horror <laughs> remake queen Chloe Moretz, uh, and she's fantastic. But uh, I mean, she is, and it was, that, that was kind of early on in her yeah, her horror for, career sh- for too, sure. But. but it's like it's like, dude, man, come on, like it's it's inferior because the original is perfection. So, uh, Train to Busan, man, it's just putting that over Night of the Living Dead for me. It's like I don't know how I can do this, but it you're made, honestly shocking me, man. You're honestly it, shocking me dude, because. It, it, it made me feel things that, like I said, I just did not think was possible. And it, it takes you through a fucking journey with these characters. And at the end, it's it's heartbreaking and it's it's just so wildly original in a in a genre where. It, you know, most most of the times it's they're not very original. So, um, yeah, I I love this movie like I I love this movie and and I try to suggest it to everybody and they're like oh well it's like a foreign film I'm like dude who gives a shit fucking that's what bugs me the most read the subtitles man like dude honestly you don't even I feel like it's such a visceral experience that you don't even really necessarily have to read I mean I I still recommend reading dialogue for sure but just watching the characters experiencing you know what they're going through it's so well elaborated through the visual that you don't even necessarily need to read um, but another thing about that movie, because it does show up, you know, uh, on my list later on in terms of my honorable mentions, the action aspect of the movie is something I don't think we had seen in a zombie movie before, like to that yeah. level. Yeah. And it's so well fucking directed in terms of the action that it's a great, uh, balance of the horror and the action. It makes it a blast of a movie to watch. And I always recommend it too. And much like you, Jeremy, I think I came to it much later. People had been recommending it to me since fucking 2016 or 2017. Right. And I had only recently watched it, I think, a few years ago, and it knocked my fucking socks off. So yeah, definitely, definitely something that I was telling Brady, we talked a little bit pre-show. He had said, you, you said, Brady, you hadn't seen it yet, right? Train to Busan? Yeah. No, I've seen that oh, one. Oh, you have yeah. seen it. Okay, great. Yeah. So. It's so good, dude. I think, I mean, not to go off on a tangent here, but, you know, Jeremy, to defend what you're saying, too, about, like, foreign films, like, also, yeah, just put the fucking subtitles on, but, like, Mm -hmm. I think Korean horror, specifically, is fucking intense. Like, I I had a boss at Starbucks who, she, her family was from Korea, and she would always talk about, I think it was, like, A Tale of Two Sisters was the movie that she recommended to me, and I had never seen it, and I went and watched it, and I said, holy fuck, like, this is 
intense. Like this is creepy. She's like, yeah, this is like what we grew up. It with. has a really so, good like, reputation. It has yeah, for a yeah. long time, and, it, and it's got its own niche, and there they, it has its fans. So most definitely, anytime someone tells me it's a if it's Korean, I'll always give it a shot oh, yeah. for sure because it always challenges me. Yeah, but fantastic yeah, pick, dude, great pick. I might as well hop out with my number two, Brady. Mm-hmm. Do you want a party? Oh, I want a party. <laughs> I knew it. Because it's party time. I'm talking about from 1985, Dan O'Bannon's directorial debut, the legendary, the iconic, the classic, yes, I'm putting it above Night of the Living Dead, Return so of the Living Dead. They're back God, in the grave so and ready to fucking party, motherfucker. This movie... Much like another one I talked about earlier on in my list, perfectly captures comedy and horror and is what is basically a masterpiece of a movie. And it's still crazy to me to this day that, yes, we know who Dan O'Bannon was. He was a writer. He wrote Alien. You know, he had worked with John Carpenter earlier on in his career. Um, but this is the first movie he actually directed. And it's yeah. crazy to think that the guy had a very short career in directing and what he was able to create and churn out here is by far one of the best zombie movies of all time and one of the best horror movies, most definitely of its decade of the 1980s. I mean, it's one of the most quotable, mm-hmm. it, you know, it features a fantastic cast, Clue Gallagher, um, James Karen, Tom Matthews. You know, it's good old Tom Matthews. You know, I mean, dude, old it's just got Thom Thom Matthews. Thom. Well, fucking the weirdest spelling of a name I've ever seen before. <laughs> Shit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, what if he listens? <laughs> He's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> but I mean, it's got Lene Quigley in it. it Scream Queen, iconic. It, Tell me somebody that doesn't like this movie, and I will literally drive to their house and slap them. Come on. Yep. Come on. This movie is the definition of fun, and it has some grotesque shit in it. It's got some brutal fucking zombies, and the zombies in this movie were the return of a more visceral, fast-paced, brutal zombie. We hadn't seen zombies like this in a long time leading up to this movie in 1985. We kind of got used to the Romero zombie in here. O'Bannon was like, fuck it, we're going to be heavily influenced by Romero. And we all know the stories that apparently Romero was offered to be involved and did not want to be. Dude, he was Um, bitter about that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they actually, you know, think about the idea of them using the return of the living dead. They talk about Night of the Living Dead in the movie as a reference that the movie itself exists. So it's self-aware in that way. Um but it's such a fun core group of characters. I, I love the fucking soundtrack. You know, it's got death rock and punk rock and shit in it. It's just, it literally is the most punk rock zombie movie there is. And it spawned its own number of sequels, which, I mean, depending on who you talk to, um, have their own merit and value. I like a, a few of them myself, but it's it that's it for me, number two, man. This was really hard because... I feel like out of every zombie movie there is, this is usually my go-to comfort flick where I could throw it on mm-hmm. any day of the week, no matter the time, and I just have a blast with it and makes me feel all giddy and warm inside. 
That's how I, fucked up of a guy I, I am. It feels weird saying it, but it is such an easy watch. It is. You know? It's 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 for like it's, how it's, gory it's, and visceral it, it is. It is, but it's 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 so accessible. I mean, it has something yeah. for everyone. We I always mention when I screen these movies, but we did screen it a few years ago. Um and I think it was one of the first movies that I was able to show um, post-COVID. And it was a fucking packed screening. And you could just feel the energy in the theater of the people laughing and cheering and, you know, muttering little lines here and there that they remember that are so iconic. And the one-liners and the soundtrack, people just had so much fun with it. It's just a super memorable experience. And yep. I had to have it on this list. It's one of my favorite movies. Return of the Living Dead. Number Fuck two. Fuck yeah, dude. Perfect. So we're here. Wow. We're we're down to it. Are we all going to have the same fucking number one? I have a feeling me and Jeremy are going to have the same number one. I know we'll Brady's see. not. It's, I know Brady's it's not. It's never me. Um, so a little, little unconventional here. Um, when aren't you? My, my number one <laughs> is Rob Zombie's The Monsters. I'm just kidding. He's <laughs> 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 got oh, just because, Justin, just because Rob face Zombie, right now, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> has his name on it, and his last name yeah, is yeah, Zombie. It's a zombie movie. It's technically it's a zombie movie. Oh my um, God. No, uh, my number one has actually already been mentioned uh, by Jeremy, but it's Danny Boyle's Twenty Eight Days Later. Hell yeah! Um, be- this one written by Alex Garland, two thousand two. I think I, there's not much that I can say that Jeremy didn't already say that we talked about, but yeah, it's just this this awful sense of hopelessness throughout the entire movie that gets you like seeped in the exact environment that these survivors are in because it's just in England, the UK, but like they're still traveling a a long distance and and they come across a lot of stuff. And I think the scene, the two scenes that always stick out to me are when Jim goes into that church towards the end and calls out hello and the two people just like, shoot up with the stingers god fucking damn it john murphy's score in this scene is just impeccable mm-hmm. like i have chills now just thinking about that scene and then also when brendan gleason you find out that he's infected through the blood droplet and like you like you just feel for him because like him and his daughter in that movie that relationship that they was, were all that they had was each other yeah and his yeah. his death was like it was something that I forgot to to touch on when we when we were talking about it. Um, yeah, was yeah. he was like Hannah, you know I I love you, dear. I love I love you. And she's like Dad, and she starts walking. And he's like, stay away from me because he knows that he's infected. And it's like yep. her having to watch him within that was the another cool concept that was you know created in in twenty eight days later is that you've got about twenty seconds before the virus hits your bloodstream and you're you're gone. And you, yeah. you're fully taken over by the rage virus and, like, her having to watch her dad not only become a zombie, but then, like, be executed right in front of her. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I, I think it's also, like, you know, that whole scene, there you're expecting to find out that somebody got bit or that somebody was attacked and that's not what happens. And that kind of threw me through a loop, too, where I was like, holy shit, like, this guy is going to be infected and potentially kill all these people when like nothing quote unquote really bad happened to him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I think that when I recommend a zombie movie to anybody, um, obviously, you know, George A. Romero is, is in the discussion for me. And I, I always say, you know, night of the living dead scared me as a kid. You got to start there. But 
if I want someone to really enjoy the zombie genre, I, I recommend 28 Days Later. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, there is a little bit of age difference between us. So I, I feel like a lot of people in my generation specifically flock to this movie too more than they might flock to Romero. Um, and maybe that's just what it is for me. But number one, 28 Days Later. Very nice. Good pick. Very let's nice. bring the boy. Let's bring pick. the Borat voice back. Make that popular again. <laughs> let's not. About, let's not say we did. Let's um, not say we did and not do it at all. Of uh, of course, my number one is George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. It is. It is much like how John Carpenter's Halloween is to me. Dawn of the Dead is like soul food to me. Um, I listen to the score while while I drive around. Um, I've, I've read the, the novel version of this movie, the novelization version. Um, I just, I love everything about this movie. I love the characters so much. Um, Dawn of the Dead is a movie that every single time I watch it, it's almost like I'm rooting that it's going to be different this time, right? Like every single time that, uh, that that Roger gets bit when they're you know moving the trucks around, um, I'm like no 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 this is gonna be the time that he, that doesn't, he doesn't get that bit, he yeah. doesn't get bit and that ev- has to be all the time too, dude. Every time I watch it, I'm on the edge of my seat like no 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 because another great thing that Romero does, uh, in this movie is that you know just like the scene where Roger does get bit, there's several times where it almost happens, right in that same scene until it finally really does happen. So it's like every single time I'm watching this movie, I know it's coming. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like the fucking uh, John Bernthal fucking little clip. He's like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. So that's me watching this. And then like every single time when when the the Marauders show up at the end of the movie and they're fucking, you know, fucking everything up. Because again, like I said earlier, it's always the humans that are the real monsters that are the real threats in these stories. So they show up and they start fucking things up. And Steven is already starting to lose his mind a little bit. And he's like, no, the mall, we took it. It's ours. So he starts, uh, he starts like fighting back with them and he ends up getting shot. And like, you know, had he kept his cool and followed what, uh, what, you know, Peter had told him to do, then he wouldn't have been shot. And he wouldn't have been stuck in that elevator and not able to crawl out into the shafts. And because of him kind of losing his mind, he gets fucked up. He gets bitten. He gets turned into a zombie. And that's always a, a really heartbreaking, you know, heartbreaking scene as well. But like, especially man with, with Roger, he's like, Peter, Peter. And he's like, I- I'm here. I'm here, brother. And it's like there's the scene where where he's starting to slip and he's starting to slowly become a zombie and it's it's heartbreaking. He's like, "We whipped him, didn't we?" Which I like. Dude, I always liked the way that he like coined his expressions. He was like, "We got this thing by the ass." Like I just do. There's so many quotable things <laughs> in this. That I'm like, man, I fucking I love this movie, but it's like again with with Steven at the end with Flyboy. I'm like, oh no no no, this is gonna be the time that he makes it out with them and. You know, of course, that that's never the case. But man, I I I just I love everything about this movie. It is uh, even the imperfections, man. Like there's there's shots that it's like 
where uh, Peter swings and he's supposed to be punching zombies, they should have used a different camera angle, but they didn't. So you can see that he doesn't actually connect with his punches, yet the zombies are still like, oh! Stumbling around and backwards. And yeah, and it's like, well, they should have probably gone with the, with a different camera angle. Well, guess what? They probably didn't get that coverage, and they were like, fuck it, it's going to have to work. Um, Even the imperfections like that, I'm like, dude, this is... It's perfect, man. Um, You know, fun fact is Romero initially was going to have it to where um, Peter committed suicide, you know, and you could see where that was going to happen in the script. And then he ends up changing his mind and joining her. But originally, apparently, uh, Peter was was going to commit suicide. And I think they even had a, a version of the script where where Fran didn't even make it out. And it was like, come on, like you just went through hell with these characters. Someone has to make it out. Um, I've always really liked the the ending that we got in the the theatrical oh, cut. It's 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 fantastic, and uh, my favorite version of this movie actually is the Dario Argento cut of the film. Um, it's they they take out some of the humor that does exist in George's version. Uh, they change up the score a little bit, and and there's a lot of deleted scenes from the theatrical cut that uh Argento puts back in. Um, it's definitely an even more bleak version of that story, um, which which I super dig. And again, like they could come out with a four hour cut of this movie, and I would I would be right there for it. So it's this movie is in my top favorite five favorite movies of all time. Um, so I've I've got the zombie tattooed on my my arm from the poster. Um, of course, this was going to be my number one. It was always going to be my number one. Lock and step. always you. Lock and step with you, man. I mean, I just, I don't, I, I, good pick and everything, Brady, but I just, I, <laughs> okay. I, I just don't, All right. <laughs> I just don't think, I mean. Good pick for a novice. <laughs> I, I didn't say that, you did. I, I really just don't see any other zombie movie quite comparing to Dawn of the Dead. I just don't, and that's just my viewpoint on the matter. I mean, the movie is brilliant, and even with those imperfections that Jeremy mentioned, that adds to the charm of the movie. You know, it came out in 78. It looks and feels like a movie that came out in 78. But it, it's also a great time capsule in the mall culture at the time and where we were as a society. And then, of course, you know, that was Romero's shtick, man. He he loved to play with the conventions of what was going on in society at the time. Who are we as human beings? Who are we as consumers? how are we affecting humanity in general by these actions? And the movie itself has a lot to say about that. Mm -hmm. Also, Tom motherfucking Savini's effects. I mean, Mm -hmm. dude, the, it's weird when you watch it now. A few years ago, you know, and I'd always said that I would never spend more than $70 on one movie. Well, I lied because Second Sight (laughs) Films put out Dawn of the Dead as an import on 4K Ultra HD and I spent like I think a hundred and thirty dollars just for the one movie. For for the different cuts of the movie. The oh, Argento yeah. cut and the theatrical cut. But none of the special features because they're all, you know, a, a foreign release per se. Um but this is that one movie. I'm like, I have to have this. I mm. absolutely have to have this. And the US rights are all jumbled to shit. Jeremy, you, I'm sure you know the story in terms of, you know, I've been told by numerous people, don't hold your breath, you might as well just buy this shit. Um, but yeah, this this is, this is. I mean, if, if Knight's the granddaddy, I mean, 
this is the sun, you know, and one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Came out the same year as John Carpenter's Halloween. And which is which is crazy, man, that uh two of my favorite films of all time, same year, man. Just I'm sure you've watched the interviews, Jeremy. There are a few with both Romero and Carpenter being interviewed for both of their respective movies, and they're interviews I watch all the time just because they're so fun to watch. But, yep, there it is. That's my number one, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Hell yeah. So we've gone through our top five. We might as well go around the horn here. I'll start with you, Brady, Mm -hmm. with what your latter five would be for a top ten for your honorable mentions. Um, Well, six was Dawn of the Dead. Uh, so it was definitely there for me. Um, like I said, I, I just, I really flocked to 28 days later. Dude, you don't, you don't have to justify it. Fuck, fuck Justin. You don't have to justify it. Justify. Um, and then after that, number seven would be another horror comedy, Zombieland, which came out when I was a teenager and I really fucking loved. Zombieland 2 is not good, but. (laughs) Never um, seen the scene. It's okay. The first Zombieland, the first Zombieland is just. They just waited entirely too long to do a sequel. Yeah. What was it like? Seven years between them? They even, they even tried a failed yeah. TV show as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, after that, number eight would be uh, Will Smith's I Am Legend, which I saw in theaters. And that scene where the zombie is like on the table and like launches up at Will Smith gets me even to this day. And I remember watching it with my dad. He was fully clothed. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask. Uh, but I knew that part was coming and he was like kind of falling asleep in the chair watching it. And like I turned the volume up and it happened and he like jumped out of his fucking chair. <laughs> um, number eight is the Dawn of the Dead remake from 2004 by Zack Snyder. Um, again, fantastic movie. Um, really love how that shot and like that 2004 like filter, I guess you could call mm-hmm. it. Um, number nine, Night of the Living Dead, 1968. Uh, it will always be on my list because it, terrifies me and then number 10 is a cronenberg film by the name of shivers um you guys have both seen i've never seen shivers man oh really um you know i actually hear a lot of people don't like it and don't think it's a very good movie i go back and forth with it i think it's it's effective for me it's kind of like the 70s version of the same concept as it follows where it's like this std mm. that's just like ravaging this apartment complex um and that i think it's is really good very and, I mean, sexual yes but it's also like peak cronenberg where like the last 10 minutes of the film you're like i don't know if i should be watching this but i'm way too far into it now and i feel kind of sick to my stomach but i only have 10 minutes left so i'm gonna keep watching it um which i guess is you know what he was going for and what you want out of a zombie movie. So, um, yeah, those are my top tens. And I mean, I don't have to talk about a lot of them cause we, we already talked about them. Um, and like I said, I am legend is, I know a lot of people didn't like the movie and didn't like that it deviated from the book. Um, which I get, there are a lot of points. There are a lot of valid points to that. I still think it's a good movie and I think it has an effective message and an effective jump scares in it that that work well. Aren't they still making? Aren't they making a sequel to that shit? I thought they. Yeah, were. I thought they just announced, and there was somebody, some like big name that got attached to it. It was a uh, dude. It was some big name that was like, "Ah, oh, I am Legend Two with Will Smith and blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Well, that's wild." Not, <laughs> not that dog. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. Nice. Last, dude. last information about a sequel was back in November. Who 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 was the name that they of attached 20, to it? Twenty two. Let me 
me see. Yeah. Uh, was it Michael B. Jordan? I want to say I, th- I thought it was Michael B. Jordan and Will good. Smith, I'd dude. That. I'd watch that. Uh, I can't find any information about who the cast was going to be. Yeah, it was. There was some name that that was. Anyways, um, so my. Uh, oh, you're my, right. It was it was Michael B. Jordan. He made a pitch about it. Yeah, there we go. Will Smith reportedly turned down various pitches, and it said that uh, Kiva Goldsmith was attached to write it. They had some ideas. Who knows if it actually is happening or not? Yeah. Um. There, yeah, there's been a lot of like a list attempts at capitalizing on the the zombie genre that have have failed very badly like World War Z with Brad Pitt like Ugh. dude so bad oh, yeah. but anyways um so the rest of my list would uh would go as following 6 is a movie called Dance of the Dead dude if if you like Return of the Living Dead Isn't you have that, to watch it's, it's like The Breakfast Club meets yes. Night of the Living Dead yes it's Fucking phenomenal. Um, it came out in the the mid two thousands, and uh, it's just it's it's a horror comedy, but it's it's done really well. Like, dude, there's a whole sequence where like our main characters are running and and they're running past a graveyard, and zombies are literally bursting out of the ground and hitting the ground, literally running like they were shot out of a cannon, and it's visually amazing the special effects are amazing the comedy works so well the action works so well i remember i was so hot on it when it came out it was like man 2009 maybe i don't i'm i, I don't remember the year yeah, yeah. Uh, but i remember i was so like dude i literally i i wrote an email to the movie studio and thanked them for releasing it like i was like thank you like it's not very often <laughs> a horror movie gets released for horror fans and this is it um, so Dance of the Dead would have been number six. Uh, number seven would have been Night of the Creeps, Fred Decker classic. I, I love that movie. Um, number eight would have been Return of the Living Dead. Uh, fantastic, you know, mesh of, of, of horror and, and comedy and 80s goodness and fantastic practical makeup and effects. Uh, number nine. Nudity. Yeah, nudity. Can't forget. Can't forget that. Uh, number nine would have been Wreck. Um, again, another movie that did so well over you know o- overseas that they're like, we need an American version. We're gonna call it Quarantine. It's called yeah yeah. Fast forward that a couple years and it's called God, we we all so we bad. all lived through a quarantine, motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> oh, and like the, yeah, qu- quarantine. <laughs> Quarantine, like, it, it wasn't an awful remake by any means, but it's like, dude, again, why are you fucking with perfection just to, to cater to American viewers? Watch Wreck. It's great. Like, dude, I love all of the Wreck movies. I think that they're fantastic. Um, And number 10 is another foreign film, Dead Snow. Nazi mm. zombies, which also does a very good job of, of meshing the horror and the comedy together. Um, But those... Nazi zombies are scary as fuck, dude. So that that would have been my top ten. It's a good top ten. Very, very good. I taught you well. Yeah. Well, yeah, my number job. six popping in is a movie that no one mentioned, and it's Fulci's Zombie, aka Zombie Two from nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, I fucked up. That should have been on my list, but uh, yeah, <laughs> dis- I was waiting for disgusting. it, dude. I was waiting the entire time. Dude, for it. I know? I fucked up. Yeah, you're absolutely, dude. I I spaced on that one. That 
It wouldn't have been in my top five, but it would have been in my top ten. You know, I, I thought about it just because it, it's such a different kind of zombie movie that I really, mm-hmm. at, at first, wanted to approach the list and try to have, you know, it, rather than just have what I have, which is, you know, a lot of 80s stuff in there. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, number seven, already mentioned from Brady's list, Shaun of the Dead. I it, Just literally one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, it's got to be on okay, the list. Okay, copycat. Um, All right. I saw it before you because I was born before you and would have had access <laughs> you don't to know it that. before you. You don't know that. It came out in 2004. You didn't see it when it came okay. out. Okay, I was nine. I could have seen it. You, you know. I know you couldn't have seen it because you were at home looking at your dad's dick and balls every night. Maybe Shaun of the Dead was in the background. You don't know everything. <laughs> I, I, okay, all right. I listen you don't know to that. what you say. I listen I to what you say. I was between his legs. It was okay. You don't know that. <laughs> yeah. <Jeez. laughs> uh, number eight would be Reanimator from 1985. Oof. Um, number Fuck nine, again. <laughs> Train to Busan. Jeremy's like, we got to record. Hey, uh, just just push re- stop on recording. It. We're going to redo this right now. <laughs> uh, also, another one that I was surprised didn't show up on your list. But yeah, Train to Busan at uh, number nine. I had to throw that on there. Uh, definitely resonated with me the same way that it did with Jeremy. And number 10 for me would be the Dawn of the Dead remake from 2004. I've always been a fan of Zack Snyder. This was his directorial debut and also a screenplay by James Gunn. Um, there's a couple other movies I just wanted to mention quick, like Planet Terror. Uh, Bride of mm. Reanimator, Zombieland, and a little fun uh, zombie horror slash musical came out from a few years ago, and on the apocalypse. I've never, so s- I've never seen that, and I, I need to check that out. You know, it's a lot of fun, man. And the songs are for what the budget is. You know, the songs are pretty decent, and you know the cast is good. It's not like the most super uber gory thing I've ever seen, but I found it charming. I thought it was really good for what it was. Hell yeah! But ladies and gentlemen. That's it for our top five zombie movies. Let us know in the comment on this post what your favorite zombie movies are. I'm pretty sure you're probably going to side with me and Jeremy on the number one and tell Brady he's wrong again, which would be the correct answer. Um, no, I love you, Brady. Wow, Seriously. Okay. No, there's, you, don't you, know know. you don't know that. You know what? You know what? You don't know that. You know what I do fucking know? <laughs> I do fucking know. All right? You don't know that. I do know. <laughs> do, I know that. I don't know this. But uh, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> If you like what you're hearing, if you're listening to the show for the first time, thank you. We are on every single podcast app that there is. And leave us a review. You can head over to iTunes or Spotify. Tell your mother hello for me, all right? Yeah, yeah. Just just leave us a nice review there and uh, follow us on social media. We're literally on every platform at Epic Film Guys, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the whole shebang. Uh, But thanks again for listening to the show and look forward to future episodes. As always, I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. I'm Be Ready. Jesus Christ. What the fuck was that? Hey, buddy, what do you got, a dead cat in there or something? <laughs> um, you and as don't know that. always, we like to ask you to keep it creepy. Hey! Stop! Shoo! Shoo! Shoo!